Blog Talk Radio. National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and the topic for today's show is My Sister's Keeper Holistic Wellness Reimagined with Katrina Kimball. Well, as genealogists and family historians, we sometimes utilize information that has been passed on to us from our mothers grandmothers, and other females associated with our families, including, think about this, those play aunties. In most homes, women gather at the table to celebrate and comfort each other, discuss important topics, make life-changing decisions, and address the challenges of life. Katrina Kimball is the project coordinator for the Methodist Labonner Healthcare's My Sister's Keeper project. She has worked in population health and community engagement for over 15 years. So let me give just a warm welcome to Katrina Kimball. Welcome, Katrina. Hi, Ms. Bennett. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your show. I'm so excited to talk about the great work we're doing around My Sister's Keeper. So just I'm so excited to be here. So let's jump into our conversation. Well, let's <laughs> jump in. So let's start off with what is My Sister's Keeper? Well, you know, um, My Sister's Keeper actually started back in 2018 uh, here in Memphis, Tennessee with Methodist Abana Healthcare. And what we found out was uh, in most major cities, we do what's called a community health needs assessment. And most hospitals do that in whatever city you're in. And usually the federal government requires that we do it every three years. And what we discovered from our community health needs assessment was that most African-American women felt like they didn't really have a voice. Um, we noticed that we had high, high numbers for dealing with um, mental health, depression. Um, people, black women felt like they didn't have a voice in the community. They felt invisible. And so Methodist decided, you know, what could we do? Because we are a major health care system here in Memphis, and we also have six locations, which means we employ a lot of people of our community. And Memphis is a predominantly a city of color. 
and it's also predominantly a city of women. We have a large uh, women population here. And we wanted to find out what could we do to help women feel empowered and to address the health disparities that was impacting our community. And so my sister's keeper was lunch because being a my sister's keeper just means that you are looking out for the best interest, the best well-being for, and sister is not related just to color. It's just any woman that's in your space. And being a my sister's keeper does not mean you put your life on hold or your concerns on hold. It just means that when you can do something to encourage a sister, you do it. You do it. It could be something simple as giving a smile, writing a note card. I know since COVID-19 has hit, um, I, I work with a group of women. We started a an encouragement card program is that once a month we get together and we just randomly pick five women we know and we'll send them a card of encouragement. Uh, it just means showing up and helping them live their best life when you can. So that's the main part about what My Sister Keeper is about, is just helping your sister get through whatever that challenge is she's dealing with that day. Right. And, you know, when I started off, I'm, I talked about genealogists and family historians. And what you oh, will yeah. find is that the majority of the genealogists and family historians are women. So how yeah. do we get We're into the, that? You know, you talk about My Sister's Keeper. Get into that space. Where here we are there to support each other. And yes. it may mean that we have to talk about impacting the, the health of the genealogy community. So let's talk about Absolutely. what's impacting women's health in the overall community. Well, I think that COVID-19 and everything that has happened has put us in a very interesting space because Everybody is impacted by this pandemic, along with the racial tension and unrest that's in this center, in this in this whole community, all across this country. I mean, we've seen the racial uh, unrest. We've seen the different things that have happened. And what has happened is that those wounds, I call them invisible scars, those invisible scars and wounds that all of us have, that maybe some of us were not ready to deal with, mm-hmm. this pandemic and all this trauma has triggered people. It's raising up things in you that you may not have wanted to deal with. It's bringing back those childhood hurts. It's bringing back those bad relationships. And families are now having to deal with things that they've never wanted to talk about. And what I'm seeing in my city is people are coming to me going, hey, can you give me a resource? Who can I talk to? And, and, And what we're discovering is that we have not done a really good job in teaching people how to be mentally well. Because if you think about it, you always hear people talking about mental illness. You're always hearing about schizophrenia, uh, bipolar disease, or even depression to a certain extent. But when do we ever talk about what does it mean to be mentally well? And that's where I think the family, as we gather around the kitchen, and I'm glad you said that because as a component of my sister's keeper, we do these small community talks where we go out in the community and we have what we call the kitchen table talk. And it's usually been over about 20 women. And we literally sit around the kitchen table and talk about what's happening in your home. What do you need help with? And I think that's the conversations we've got to start having in our homes right now. We've got to get the family back around the kitchen table, turn off these devices, <laughs> let technology go for about an hour or so, and let's get around this kitchen table talk and dress these um, wounds, let's address these hurts that's in our families. Because if the family is not whole and if the family is well, well, let's first, let's back back up. If the individual 
If you don't know what it means to be mentally well for yourself, if you don't know what brings you joy, if you don't know what brings you to that space of peace, you can't have that in your family, and therefore you can't have it in your community. So what I'm seeing right now, what's impacting us, is that Mm -hmm. we've got to get back around the table, and we've got to have these conversations about what does it really mean to be mentally well. What does it mean? Well, what does it really mean to be mentally well? Let's just talk about that for a minute. What does it really mean to be mentally well? And what that means is your your wellness and your mental wellness. First of all, your physical and your mental wellness. Everything is connected. Everything, every person's wellness is as unique as your fingerprint. For example, Miss Bennett. Uh, let's. What's one thing that you do that brings you joy? Just tell me one thing that you just enjoy doing. I enjoy talking to people on the telephone. <laughs> okay, you enjoy talking to people on the telephone. My sister loves gardening. So what gives her joy and what feeds her soul is to go out early Saturday morning, about 6 o'clock, and get in her garden. For you, talking and having conversations with people. For me, even though my job requires me to be an extrovert, I'm really an introvert. I like my quiet time. I love having a good cup of hot peppermint tea in a book. That feeds my soul. But we know those things because we have spent time to discover those things. Most people do not spend time with themselves to discover what it is that truly brings me joy. Mm-hmm. What do I? And, and we have to ask those questions. We have to ask ourselves, in this season of my life, what do I need right now? Because we always ask people, how are you doing? But we don't ask people, what do you need? And that's Not only do we ask people, how, how are you doing, but people will give the standard fine when, in mm-hmm. fact, they're not okay. They just don't yeah. know how else to respond. Or maybe yeah. they don't know that people will really listen and respond back to them appropriately. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I tell people all the time, when I hear the word fine, I think about that doesn't mean you're fine. It means you're freaked out, you're insecure, <laughs> you're, you're aggravated, you're angry, and you're just not really in a kind place right now. Because when people tell me they're fine, I'll ask them, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. how you're doing is, 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 is more than just, it's not about that moment. So a lot of times when I ask people, I ask them, are you well today? And when I ask people that, they'll usually stop and pause and look at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> because people don't ask you that question. And another component to being well and being whole that we truly miss is relationships. And mm-hmm. relationships in every part of your life. That's not just your family, not just your friends, but where do you work? Where do you worship? Where do you go and exercise and play? Because our relationships are transactional. You know there are people that deposit you. You know there are some people you're around. You get a whole lot of good energy from them. They give you a lot of. They give you that good boost. They like giving you a deposit. But then you have people that deplete you. They're always mm-hmm. taking. And then you have some people. They just every time you see them, the world is falling. I call it the chicken little syndrome. The sky is always the what? falling. What? <laughs> Did <laughs> you, you know say chicken book, little? The child, yeah, you know the story of chicken little. The sky is falling. Oh, the sky yeah. is falling. You know. <laughs> You yes. have people right now. The sky's falling every day. And it's like mm-hmm. COVID-19 and, and with the racial unrest, they were already kind of there. They're now gone even further. And that's why mm-hmm. it's so important for us to know what feeds me, what feeds my soul, what gives me joy, what brings joy to my home, what keeps my house in a good space, 
so that, that those types of things don't impact you. And that's how you. That's how we're going to be good sisters, my sisters keepers. That's how we're going to be good community advocates. That's how we're going to be taking care of the health and the wellness of our families because that is so important to your genealogy. Because you got to pass that along too. Not only do you want to pass along the stories and the traditions, but we got to pass along those tools and those weapons mm-hmm. to help us stay whole. So that's mm-hmm. how I see. It. I, to me, it all goes in together. It it definitely all goes in together. And sometimes people maybe can't even define what brings them joy. They're just in the survival mode. They just need to make sure they have shelter, they have food, they have yeah. clothing. And so and, uh, yeah. how, can you, how can you work with people when they're in survival mode and you're still talking about mental well-being? Well, the first thing you do, and I and I and, and and I've worked with the bone population all my life. I've worked with everybody from vets to domestic violence victims to breast cancer to to some homeless people. And what I've always asked people is, where are you right now? Because the thing is, the journey to becoming whole and well, you got to first acknowledge where you are. Mm-hmm. And if the person can't acknowledge where they are, or if they're in denial, they're not going to make any movement. And I've talked to people that have made a lot of money, and I've talked to people that have, don't make a lot of money. But the very first step is you got to first know where you are so you can know where you want to go. So if I'm talking with a person and, and if housing is a challenge, then the first thing we're going to do is let's find housing. Let's look at some options for you. Let's take care of that physical need because before you can address any mental, emotional, psychological need, you got to meet that physical need. Whether that person needs a home, whether that person is hungry, until if I'm distracted, I'll use my I'll use myself for example. I was in pain. I wasn't feeling well. I couldn't hear nothing the doctor was saying because I was in so much pain. When a person is going through a physical uh, problem, you got to address that first, and mm-hmm. you got to figure out where you are so you can then build on and where you want to go. So that's what I would that's what I would always recommend. You got to first mm-hmm. be clear about where you are. And the person's got to be willing to do the work, too, because I used to work with a group of single moms here in Memphis, and we would have single moms that would come to our group. It was called Successful Single Moms in Memphis. And there would be some single moms that really wanted to own a home. They wanted to improve their credit, or they wanted to buy, or they wanted to start a business. But we had some women that came to the group. They were looking for a handout. They were looking for the next free thing because they, they had a list of all the places in Memphis they could come and get something free. And when you have a person that has that type of mindset, you can't they they won't do the mind shift. They're not gonna be willing to do the work to change their lives. So, so that's we're what it all talking about. Then. We're talking about holistic wellness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the things that you can control versus the things that you cannot control. Absolutely. What are they? Absolutely. Well, and again, it goes back to each individual person. Um, every person is as unique as your fingerprint, and you have to be able to acknowledge there are some things that you you can control. For example, we all can control who we allow in our space and who we don't allow in our space, whether mm-hmm. it's family, friends, or whatever. If that person has a negative energy or if that person is always coming to you wanting something from you, you can control what type of relationship you have with that person. We can control, we can develop and build healthy relationships with people. Um, 
we can control, we can work on the thoughts we allow in our minds. We can allow, we can rewrite the story that we write about ourselves. I tell people mm-hmm. every morning you wake up, you have a blank page. It's your chance to rewrite your story about yourself. Because a lot of times our biggest battle are the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. It's not what other people have said. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, some people don't even get a chance to beat us up because we're so busy beating ourselves up. Right. You know, we wake up in the morning with a baseball bat and go to work on ourselves. So <laughs> you don't even give anybody else a chance. <laughs> but, you know, the things that you can't control right now, I mean, with COVID-19, you know, we can't go out like we used to. So we all are all confined at home. So you got to be creative at home. You know, you got to make sure you keep your workspace separate from your family space. Um we can't control if we have a loved one that's in the hospital. You can't go and see them. But what we can do is Google, FaceTime. We can do uh, Google Meet. We just got to use technology to help us stay connected. Um, what, I, what I learned is that we can be socially distant. We can be physically distant, but we can still be socially connected. We, you just got to be mm-hmm. creative. Um, mm-hmm. Other things we can't control, we, you can't control this economy, you know, um, this is affecting people. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their homes. And there that's some things that we can't control. But what we can try to do for our loved ones that are going through that, do what you can do to ease the pain. Because the biggest thing is when a person is going through any traumatic event, they just want to know if somebody cares. Yeah. And just show yeah. up when you can for people. It, it does not mean that you're going to put on an S on your chest and a cape on your back and fly around and go, I am my super, you know, my sister's keeper, a superhero. We're not asking you to do that. No, burn the cave, blow up the mask. We're not trying to be superwomen. But do what you can, you know, and use what you have. You can't mm-hmm. control what you don't have. You know, my dad used to tell me all the time when I would uh, ask him, he'd give me something to do at home because I grew up on a farm. So I grew up in North Mississippi on a 45-acre farm with my brothers and sisters. And so uh, <laughs> we we had a lot of chores working on a farm, and my dad would tell me all the time, I didn't ask you what you didn't have. I asked you what you have and what do you have in your hand. Use what you got mm-hmm. in your hand, and that's what we got to go back to. We got to use what we have in our hands, and mm-hmm. that is I, that's what I think is going to help us get through this trying time. And the thing is, we have had family members through our genealogy. I was talking to my mom. My mom's eighty-eight years old. My mom has lived through the depression. She lived through the civil rights, uh, <laughs> um, you know, the civil rights movement. She she, uh, she lived through the part when black people couldn't purchase homes. I mean, my mom's lived through a lot of stuff, including seeing the first black president that she thought she never would see. And my mom tells me stories. Like, my grandparents were sharecroppers. They never owned their land. They worked land. When my grandparents died, they were 75 and 72. They never owned the home they were in. And so when I can look back at my family's genealogy and their history and I go, Okay, if my family got through that, there is some there is something in my DNA that's gonna help me get through what I'm going through right now. And mm-hmm. so I think that's another thing we have to do. We gotta retell those stories of survival. We always tell yeah. the story, the dramatic stories. How about we tell the stories of society survivorship, like my dad being one of the first black farmers in North Mississippi to own a tractor. <laughs> you know, that don't mm-hmm. sound like much now, but but back in nineteen sixty nine it was major for a black man to own a tractor. You know, mm-hmm. so just go back and pull those stories that gives us strength, that gives us encouragement, and that's what's going to help get us through this. And then that's how we'll be able to identify the things that we can't change and the things that we can manage. Right, which means you're saying, you know, you can build, I mean, the strength that you may think you don't have, 
you do have. But you also have to understand, just look look around you. Look at what your family has done. Because as you're mentioning that tractor, there are other people who may say, we were the first family on the block to have a TV. I mean, it's a thing. Yeah. But that family worked hard for that. And you and may you, look and, and you say, oh, but that's that, not significant, but it's, it was significant to that family. And that family and told that, that story. Yeah, and you got to look at the content in which that, in which that happened. Uh, I mm-hmm. remember growing up as a, like I said, I grew up on a farm in rural North Mississippi. I remember my uh, cousins got the first air condition. I mean, people going by the house, you would have thought they had got more than a million dollars. But <laughs> when you grew up in an area where nobody had an air condition, nobody had central air, you know. Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. I know for people that may be listening, like, what? But you got to think about in 1969, 19, early 70s, there were not a lot of homes that had, at least in the rural areas, that had central air. You know, they were still mm-hmm. putting the box fan in the window, you know, <laughs> with the ice in front of it, you know. So, we just have to go back and revisit those stories and then also revisit the time and the, the time it would happen and in the content in which it happened. Because if, yes. if you look at just that piece, you go, oh, that don't mean nothing. But look at what was the oppositions at that time. Right. Who was willing to sell to black people? I mean, who was willing to sell, and not just black people, who was willing to sell anywhere if you lived in a rural, like in the rural where I lived, the closest major city to us was Memphis, Tennessee, which was like 47 miles away. So you got to look at the content and in the time in which the story was done. And That's if we right. take some time as we're gathering back around the kitchen to have these kitchen table talks with our family, you will find and discover there is a lot of strength in family that you never knew was there. And that's, that's what I right. think. I think that's the that's the joy that I'm finding in the midst of everything else. And I tell people, you got to look for the joy. And the joy that I see is that families are not working as hard as they used to. Their people are home together. But stop complaining about being at home together. I mean, just think the fact that you have a home to go to. Because there are people that mm-hmm. are home. So let's sit around That's the table right. and let's have some conversations and share some family stories. I know I know my family, we're sharing stories with my great nieces and nephews they've never heard before. And they're like, mm-hmm. I didn't know granddaddy did that, or I didn't know auntie did that. Like, um, we we just recently discovered that my great-great-grandmother was one of the first school teachers in Mississippi. And that wow. was like, really? <laughs> so just sharing that genealogy and sharing those stories and even sharing things that you think were unsignificant, such as something simple as my grandmama's sweet potato recipe, sweet potato pie recipe that we just shared because we're getting ready to go into the holidays and we're trying to figure out how we're going to do this virtual holiday celebration. But just sharing the small things, that's what's going to bring families back together. And that's how you're going to continue to build onto your legacy too. Well, one of the things that I want you to talk about, because I know the Methodist uh, Labana Healthcare is going to have a My Sisters Keep a Virtual Summit. So, Tell us about the virtual summit so that the listeners can register for this summit. Absolutely. We are so excited. This is our third year. I um, We are just so fortunate to be able to present this conference. Uh, My Sister's Keeper conference will be on Saturday, November the 7th. 
Uh, and we do realize this, the 7th uh, is the day after the election, but <laughs> we uh, we realize that we're going to still be my sister's keepers even after the election. Uh, it'll be that Saturday from 9 to 1. It's all virtual, and this will not be like a regular Zoom meeting. This is actually a virtual production. We're going to have live entertainment. We're going to have pre-recorded messages. We're going to have live interviews. Uh, the conference is going to start at 9 o'clock. It's going to run to 1 o'clock. We will have four breakout sessions that you can attend, and one that I'm really excited about, uh, we have one that's going to be talking about self-care and isolation during the pandemic. You know, how can you take care of yourself during the pandemic? And then we have another session. We're going to talk about the connection between your dental health and mental health. What's the connection mm-hmm. between your, your teeth to your mental well-being? And then mm-hmm. we have... Um, another session that's going to look at spiritual care, what does that look like? And then our final session, we're going to talk about the importance of emotional well-being and mindfulness because that's not a topic we hear a lot in in the community. But just what are some tools? Because what we're trying to do with this conference is give you some tools in your toolbox to help you go out and be stronger and be better. And um, you can register. Our website is up. It's www.methodisthealth.org backslash MSK. Again, the website is www.methodisthealth.org backslash MSK. And it is completely free and open to anyone in the United States and outside of the United States because that's the great thing about having a virtual conference. You don't have to worry about having a building big enough, having enough food for everybody. (laughs) You can (laughs) just have a wonderful – you can focus on your program content. And the great thing about our program is we will – you'll be able to log in and come in and out. Um, We're also going to have some activities. We're going to have – we're going to do some yoga uh, some meditation. We're going to do some five-minute meditations. We're going to talk about the importance of stretching. And then I'm really mm-hmm. excited. We have a local artist named Karen Brown who's going to be doing our music entertainment for us. So uh, I feel like I told them, I said, this is going to be our first um, Methodist LeBonner, uh healthcare production. I feel like a production company. But we uh, really invite everyone to log in and just uh, share with your family, your friends, and uh, just just log in and participate. It's going to be a great day. So, yes. My well, it, so, it sounds so seven. exciting. And I just received a comment from someone, Jana. She said she's enjoying your presentation, and she just wanted me to let you know uh, that she's just thanking you for all of the good information that you've shared with us today. So, oh, well, thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, do you have any closing remarks before we end the show? I would just like to close on just three things um, because I think it's important that, one, everybody that's on this call, make sure you set aside some time to care of yourself. You only get one chance around this blue planet. And I say this every time I talk. I don't care who I'm talking to, whether I'm talking to the community, clergy, nurses, it doesn't matter. Make sure you take time to take care of yourself because you can't pour from an empty cup. If you're empty, you can't give to nobody else. Number two, make sure you set aside some time for your family and your friends. Set aside time for people that are important to you because when they're not here anymore, you don't get that time back. And then number three, use your voice for something positive and encouraging. Everybody has an ability to communicate, whether it's via social media or you're using your voice. Always, whenever you have an opportunity to get in front of people, 
try to say something kind or something encouraging. We've got enough negative people out here. We've got enough people out here being discouraging and harmful and hurtful. Just try to be kind and try to be encouraging to people. And that's all I have. And that's what my sister keeps us about. We're really trying to encourage women and just want people to use their voice to be an advocate and speak up and be kind and, and good to each other. So thank you for letting me be on the show. I greatly appreciate it, Miss Bennett. Those are my closing remarks. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And everybody, remember, your ancestors left footprints. They left yes. so many footprints. And, you know, just as uh, Katrina just said to us, take time for yourself, encourage others. I mean, this is something that your ancestors did also. And so yeah. I just want to thank thank all of you for tuning in today, and I look forward to you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, Katrina. Bye-bye. You guys have a great day.